I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 122 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Um, today is a little bit of a special episode because we had promised you guys that anytime there was going to be a comic book movie coming up, we would get Rob out of retirement from the comic box and ask him to kind of do a preview episode with us. And I just couldn't get my act together quick enough to get him into last week's show. So I tried to schedule something with him and Ray and we couldn't do it. So finally I said, you know what, we'll just do a segment for before the review show. And that segment was so wonderful and uh, of a, an appropriate length that it could become an episode of its very own. And so that is what I am bringing to you today is an episode of Rob from the Comic Box and I talking about everything you need to know before going in to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I hope you enjoy, and we will be back at the end of that episode with all of our usual outro stuff. So that's it. We'll see you at the end. So I think uh, I am not alone in saying... Hello, Rob. We are very excited to hear your wonderful voice again. How are you? Comics. That's how I'm doing. I'm doing just fine. How are you? We're good. We're good. Um, we are going to talk to you a little bit about uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. I didn't realize that the last movie came out before your um, podcast started. So I went back to find like the prep episode for <laughs> Ant-Man, and I was like, oh... <laughs> it did not exist. I believe we talked about it very briefly on my show. I think I talked about it with the wife. Um, it's one of the last episodes because it was when we were doing the big Marvel rewatch, mm -hmm. I think. I don't know if she was actually on the show with me. But yeah, she uh, she's not an Ant-Man fan. Though, though, the existence of Ant-Man was one of the uh, things that spurred the creation of the podcast. Because when we were kicking around ideas of what I might want to do for a podcast, and I talked about doing comics or whatever, and she's like, yes, because I could simply ask you, who the hell is Ant-Man and why do I care? <laughs> and, uh, and so today we are going to talk about uh, who the hell Ant-Man is and why we should all care. <laughs> yeah, no, I went and uh, I probably went a little bit overboard. I did a lot of research. I have, I have information for you on... Um, uh, multiple, all three Ant-Mans, Ants-Man, uh, both of the Wasps, Goliath, which is its own whole thing, and uh, the character known as Ghost as well. So I, well, I'm, so I'm you ask, excited. and I am ready. Like I said, I could. <laughs> I have. I, I always had the habit of over preparing. That has not changed. That that's great. No, you can't over prepare for something like this. So, uh, but before we start, what have what have you been up to? Catch us up. 
Um, I've been reading comics and it's been wonderful. I've been doing this massive Marvel cosmic reread. Uh, I was buying a bunch of trades just because I, I fell into a hole of seeking out uh, trades that I wanted to own and add to my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And I started reading Annihilation, which is one of the, if not the best Marvel cosmic thing ever. And it was, you know, but I know this has seeds elsewhere. And I kept telling myself I would do a reread. So I went back and started with, oh, I don't even know. It's mostly like a Thanos reread. So it starts with, is it Thanos War? I started with the first appearance of Thanos, which is like Iron Man number 55 or something like that. And Mm -hmm. it goes into him with the Cosmic Cube. And then it, you know, I went through... Uh, in the death of Captain Marvel, Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, Infinity Crusade. Right now, I'm sort of in that nebulous period between Infinity Crusade and uh, Infinity Abyss. So I'm reading issues of Silver Surfer, which leads into the Cosmic Powers miniseries. I'm enjoying the heck out of myself. I'm totally falling behind on my normal comic book reading because I'm doing these deep dives into the Marvel cosmic universe. So right now I think I'm circa 1994 in my That's Marvel. Awesome. Yes. And then uh, little things on the side through hoopla. I read another volume of Miss Marvel and I checked out like all of the volumes of Miss Marvel. They had, I think I used my five things, but then I didn't get to the rest and it's hard to do now. Like hoopla changed where the library itself now has a daily limit of downloads so unless you're there at like midnight to download comics, you can't get to them. I usually go and I'll download them like in the evening and they're like, nope, your library said its limit for the day. So I haven't oh, been wow. able to to go back, but I'm doing that. I'm still plugging away on Sensate because I told you personally that I would. <laughs> you inspired the Sensate for me to keep going. I'm on episode, I think, eight of season two. And how are you liking season two? It's fine. It's fine. I I think there's some interesting things going on. I I don't quite understand everything, Um, but it's it's good. It's good. I enjoy it. They uh, I mean, it's obviously very heavy on on the sexual content and Mm -hmm. also violence. Like there's a lot of killing that all the people seem really okay with. Yeah, there's a lot more killing, I think, in, in the second season, too. The second season, like, I was hoping that they would go on longer just because I think we would have gotten some more interesting stuff. Yeah. But um, but I did think that the second season wasn't as strong as the first. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to, to finish it out soon, though, because Luke Cage season two came out, and I haven't touched it yet because I want to – I'm taking it one show at a time, and it's really hard. Because I still, like, I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger yet. I'm curious. I know that's not a show for me. I know that's meant for a different audience, kind of like Runaways uh-huh. was. Uh, but I want to get Luke Cage done, and I want to go back and watch Legion, because I never watched Legion. Uh, I have things to do, and I'm still, it's still slow going of me trying <laughs> to tackle them. But it's it good. It sounds like you're... Your summer watching sounds like my summer watching because uh, we've heard maybe three episodes into Jessica Jones. Um, I definitely want to do Luke Cage. Uh, we still haven't watched the the final movie of Sense8. Like, we've got so much catching up to do. That surprises um, and... me. I would have thought you would have jumped on that immediately for Sense8. Um, I think there's a little bit of that not wanting it to be over. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And I think that with as busy as we've been in the month of June, like we've been going, going, going. And so I think when um, when we do sit down, we were like, okay, we can get into something like Jessica Jones or Sense8, which we're, we're expecting to be kind of intense, mm-hmm. or we can just watch another British baking show. So that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> yeah. When I suppose the the other big thing, I mean, I'm, I'm still doing all the costuming things with the, the Minnesota Costumers for a Cause and the Marauders Minnesota, which is the, the Harry Potter charity cosplay group out here. Uh, but the last thing we did, which uh, is funny because it was also in one of the last episodes of Sense8 that I watched, is uh, I got to march in my first uh, Pride Parade. We were part of a group called, oh, what was it? It was, it's not Twin Cities Geek. It's the Geek Partnership Society. I think, or something like that, uh, Mm -hmm. was the float. And so there were members of all these different geek and costume organizations. And uh, we all got to march in the Pride Parade. And it was a really long day. And I got sunburned. But I was Harry Potter for the first time. I was like, fat Harry Potter. Fat old (laughs) Harry Potter after he, uh, you know, retires and finds donuts. 
<laughs> I was that. <laughs> well, I saw, I saw the costume, and you looked awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. No, it, it, but it was a good time. There were, there were some protests that held it up. So we showed up at like ten o'clock in the morning, and I don't think we started walking until something like two. Oh wow! Or three. Yeah, we were just sitting around all day in the heat. And this is Minnesota. We're in the north. We're used to you know battling ice dragons and manning the wall, mm-hmm. and. It was, you know, 90-something with high humidity. We were all kind of dying. Um, but it was still a good time, and the energy was still really high. Once you actually got walking on the parade, you didn't care anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it was a really good time. And so beyond that, I'm prepping for Convergence, which uh, I guess will probably be over when this airs. So Yeah, because this will go up uh, next Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Convergence is a big uh, convention here that's sort of a party con it's more wrapped around socialization and panels and fun demonstrations and party rooms and stuff. Um, there is a dealer's floor and stuff, but it's actually in a separate hotel next to the main one. So that uh, should be a good time. It's my second time going. I went alone last year and it was fun. And I came away just saying this would be a lot more fun if I came with friends. And, but it's expensive because there's no day passes. You have to buy a ticket oh, really? for the whole weekend. But they feed you and stuff. There's like rooms that just have snacks and things uh, 24 hours a day. Um, but it's, yeah, I think the cheapest $75 and then it goes up to a hundred or hundred something, um, for the four days. But yeah, wow. so that's, yeah. that's my weekly geekery. Is it the same time every year? It is. It's always around the 4th of July, which is why I'd only had one chance to do it before. I used to be out of town every 4th of July. Um, and, uh, that stopped recently. So I'm finally around for the con. Might be a time to uh, schedule a meetup. Might be kind of fun. What do you mean? Like we could do like a whole geek to geek podcast meetup in Minnesota. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> you guys can come out anytime <laughs> you want. You know this. Well, I mean, because let, let's be honest. If if we're if we're gonna get void involved, we gotta come to you guys. That's true. That's true. The man is busy. He, he has a, a job and children and all that crazy stuff. But yes. All right. I will I will start working on Katie and, and Ray, and, and we'll see if we can. We we'll can find cheap tickets for something. Chelsea. That's right. Everybody will come over and crash on my floor. That's fine. There's, <laughs> there's room. There's room for everybody. We'll make it work. Awesome. Awesome. Hashtag, hashtag geek to geek con. Yes. If, you, if this is something you guys want, like start <laughs> bugging us on, on Slack. Because because if we know people are going to get into it and do it, then that's going to spur us on. Uh, but I think it would be a blast. Yeah. All right. So let's talk Ant-Man and Wasp. Okay. Um, where where do we even begin? Um, I don't know. It's it's your show. So it, it kind of depends on how deep you want to dig into it. I have written up sort of synopses for the origins of the various characters, but... It all has to be taken with a giant grain of salt because the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a lot of ways does not follow the sort of Ant-Man history. Okay, well, why don't I ask some questions and kind of give you what I know and maybe you can fill in the gaps and we can go from there. Does that work? That works. Perfect. Yeah, go for it. All right, perfect. So um, in in Ant-Man, we saw that... um, uh, Hank Pym is actually a lot older than most of the the heroes that we've been following, and that he we we don't know where Janet Van Dyne, who is the original Wasp, is, um, but we assume that she's been lost in this. Um, is it the the quantum zone or the negative? There's so many zones. I get them mixed up. Yeah, they call it the quantum realm in the uh, in the films. In in the comic books, it's known as the microverse or one of the microverses. The term microverse is used a lot, but there's one specifically that's called the microverse, which is gotcha. where the micronauts are. Do you remember the micronauts? Uh, I do, I do, and I, I I remember listening to a whole thing about when they crossovered with the X Men on. Yes, uh, Jay, Jay and Miles explains the X Men, and it sounds like amazingly horrible. Right. So in the in the comics, it's known as the microverse, but because the micronauts, uh, the rights to those characters are currently with Paramount. 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe had to come up with something else. And so the guy who's their uh, science consultant came up with the idea of just calling it the quantum realm instead. But it's a. Yeah. So the quantum realm is a it's a. I suppose. Do you want to start there? Should we just start with what the quantum realm is? Yeah, sure. Does that work? Okay. So uh, in the movies, it's a completely different dimension where time and space have no meaning. You can only get there by shrinking down past the subatomic level. Or the theory is you could actually get there with like a sling ring because it's believed in that that scene in Doctor Strange where the Ancient One sends him through all these different dimensions that some of those dimensions or one of them rather was the quantum realm. Um, I don't know. I would have to go back and look at images or screen caps, but I guess they looked the same. Um, okay. The idea being in the the comic books, it's I think they started by saying it was like a universe in a universe. You know, like like you remember Men in Black, mm-hmm. how the 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 cat had the universe around its neck, an entire or galaxy or whatever. Yes, it, yes. it's not that. Like, it might be in the movies, because they haven't fully explained it yet, but in the comics, it sort of started that way, like it's a universe within a universe, and then later on, they sort of retconned that and said, no, it's just the only way to get into this parallel dimension is for you to shrink so far down that you're able to get through this, like, artificially created nexus that lets you into this parallel dimension. Sounds like timey-wimey stuff, but on a subatomic level. Yes, yeah. But the idea is, in in the comics, it's not a miniature universe. It's not a universe that exists between atoms, which seems to be what I think they're suggesting, maybe, in the movies. It's kind of hard. Um, The only thing that would be cool to get that I don't expect, unless it pops up again in the Captain Marvel movie, is in the microverse, the one that's called the microverse, you know, more definitively. It's like composed of this thing called the Enigma Force. Does this ring a bell with you at all? A little bit. It sounds familiar. So part of the Enigma Force, which holds the microverse together and sort of comprises the microverse, is a thing called the Uniforce, which is the the celestial whatever cosmic force that gives Captain Universe their power. Okay. I don't expect this to play into the MCU anytime soon because I think the whole Captain Universe thing is probably too big, again, unless it pops up in Captain Marvel. So I first learned about that whole Uniforce thing when Spider-Man turned into Cosmic Spider-Man. Um, I don't know if you ever remember those issues, if you were... a well, I knew I knew that the Captain Universe was like a, a mantle that got placed on different people. And I just started reading um, Avengers World, where um, Captain Universe is um, a black woman who was in a car accident. Right, and has like no memory or something. Yeah, and so I'm kind of reading through that and kind of seeing what that's all about. So I'm, I I have I have very fresh experience with uh, with Captain Universe okay. because. Um, She's she's in the, the books I'm reading right now. Right. So that's that's in the comics. In the movies, all we know is is if you keep on shrinking and you don't stop, you wind up in what they call the quantum realm, which seems to be this infinite space between atoms that itself is this own universe outside of time and space or where time and space have no meaning. That's kind of all we get in the movies right now. But the theory is... Uh, that's where Janet Van Dyne still is, and we don't know. I mean, you, we kind of know when you look at posters and things, but for story purposes, we'll say we don't know if she has aged at all. If when she went there, which was like in the '60s or '70s, something like that, they were they yeah, were, something like that. They were trying to disarm a um, like a Soviet missile, and in order to squeeze between the panels, she had to shrink further than they're normally capable of, which meant. Um, turning off the size regulator thing and continuing to shrink to the point where she is is lost in this quantum realm. And then Scott Lang does the same thing, but then is able to swap out the shrinking atom for the, the, the thing in his belt um, for the growing pin particles and goes the other direction and is able to bring himself out of the quantum realm. But because it was so trippy there, he he doesn't remember anything from being in the quantum realm. So he doesn't know if he saw the wasp. We don't see it on screen, but that idea of, you know, his mind couldn't hardly comprehend what he was seeing. So 
he doesn't remember any of it. Cool. Yes. <laughs> so, and I, I think, I think it's kind of just assumed that the reason why we started with um, Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne is because dealing with um, Hank Pym and um, Janet Van Dyne would be a little awkward because of the whole abusive husband weirdness. Yeah, they have thing. they have a very complicated relationship in the comics. Uh, I mean, the characters were introduced in the the 60s. I can scroll here and I can give you the exact dates that these characters were introduced. Uh, Hank Pym <laughs> first introduced in 1962. And uh, Janet Van Dyne introduced in 1963, I believe both at the time written by Stan Lee, where like, and it was very much the way that Stan Lee wrote women in the 60s, which you go back is very Mm -hmm. problematic. Like Janet Van Dyne is the daughter of a famous scientist and is very wealthy and incredibly flighty and likes Hank Pym, but tries to make him jealous by talking about how attractive Thor is. And she's a fashion designer, so her costume constantly changes, and she's always trying to get Hank's attention and gets kidnapped a lot. Like, it's not it's not great. And then, you know, slowly over time, the relationship builds. Um, they get married, but it's this whole thing where Hank, Hank Pym goes crazy a lot, is basically what you need to know yeah. from the comics. I would love to actually see some of that reflected in the movies, but he's had several breakdowns. Uh, he's changed his identity. That's when he became abusive during one of his breakdowns. So they kind of did this sort of thing where maybe he wasn't super responsible, but he totally was. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, and that's where he was yellow jacket, right? Correct. And that was the villain in the last movie. Correct. Yeah. Darren cross. They made yellow jacket right off the bat in the, in the other movie. The one thing they kind of got right about him. Like I thought it was sort of interesting. The idea that in the comics, he started in the sixties. So in, in some sense, Ant-Man and Captain America are almost the two characters that are most true to the comic book origins in that they both start when their comics actually started within the MCU. Uh, But the one thing they got right is Ant-Man quits a lot. Like, or I should say Hank Pym, because that's the tough part, because Hank Pym is Ant-Man and Giant-Man and Goliath and Yellow Jacket, and he called himself the Wasp for a while. And then most recently in the comics, he's actually Ultron. Like, he merged. Hank Pym is responsible for creating Ultron in the comic books, not Tony Stark. And Bruce Banner has nothing to do with Ultron. In the comic books, it is solely a creation of Hank Pym, and then the Ultron goes on to create the Vision himself. Um, and currently, in the comic books, Hank Pym is merged with Ultron, and so they're evil together. But no, he's always been unstable. He quits constantly. There was a time where he was just referred to as Doctor Pym, Medicine Woman. Um, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's it's it was Doctor Pym, the Scientific Adventurer which was during uh, what I imagine is your favorite age of the Avengers, the Avengers West Coast, where he wore a red (laughs) jumpsuit and wasn't technically any type of superhero except when he needed to be. I actually I actually know a little bit about him from that, because that's when I kind of started getting into um, comic books. Yeah. And and he was um, like at that point. It was post Yellow Jacket, so he realized that the reason why he went crazy, go nuts, was because um, he kept changing his size too too much, and it caused um, imbalances in his brain, and so uh, he, you know, didn't want to change sizes anymore because he didn't want to do any further damage. So what Doctor Pym was was he would grow and shrink things which i think we see from the preview is a lot of what happens in the the movie the trailers kind of show them growing a lot of things into crazy sizes right it it feels like they're doing more with uh, external things rather than growing and shrinking themselves and that's very much yeah there's a lot of oh i can't do this anymore because it's bad for me janet you're gonna quit too (laughs) and then she does Mm -hmm. (laughs) like again multiple times but then he goes on well, and does not... like Avengers Academy. So it's it's one of those like if they were willing to keep paying uh, Michael Douglas, like maybe a a um, phase five of the Marvel Universe could be like Avengers Academy because Hank Pym eventually be awesome. 
creates the Avengers Academy. And as him being sort of the anti-Stark in the MCU, I think that would actually be a really interesting way to go. Because he, he created yeah, be Avengers Academy. He created Avengers AI. He uh, was a member of the Illuminati at first. So there's there's actually... Oh, that I didn't... I really... I really want to read a lot of the Illuminati. I, I have touched on it, but I have not read it, and it seems fascinating. Yeah, and that all takes place, I believe, in the book New Avengers. I don't think the title was actually okay. called Illuminati, but I could be wrong. There might have been a miniseries or something. Yeah, but there's... it. Hank Pym's whole thing, like, again, he created in the 60s, gets really stupid. Like, there's one time where he is... He is uh, I don't know if he's appointed so much as he's called Earth's Scientist Supreme the counterpart to the sorcerer <laughs> supreme like there's there's a lot with with Hank Pym but yeah basically it's he has an inferiority complex because the wasp is the one with all of the money and he always feels inferior um he's constantly changing his identities constantly having mental breakdowns and causing problems so i like the idea of him sort of having quit um, and the one thing that the movie did kind of get right as far as Scott Lang goes is he did have a kid. Uh, he did mm -hmm. go into crime to help his family because he wasn't making enough. He did have an engineering degree. Um, he goes to jail. His wife divorces him. He gets out. Um, and in the, the comic books, it's his daughter Cassie has a heart condition. So he decides to steal the Ant-Man costume to use to try and, you know, rob people and things. And then um, in the Yellow Jacket outfit, uh, Hank Pym watches and um, after Ant-Man, the Scott Lang Ant-Man goes and beats up Darren Cross, who had kidnapped the doctor needed to help Cassie. Hank Pym lets him keep the suit so long as he keeps using it for good. And then Scott Lang goes on to do all of Scott Lang's things. So his origin actually isn't that far from the uh, movie, except in the movie, he gets all of this training. And it's shown that Hope, who is was not a character in the comics until May of 2016. So again, like okay. Hope's utterly new creation for the movie. They created a version of her named Nadia for the comic books. And uh, okay, yeah, I I guess I'm sort of slowly weaving my way around. I'm supposed to be letting you ask me questions. No, oh, no, that's okay. Hey, I, I am enjoying this is this is like me being able to listen to an episode of your podcast and, uh, and and figure out what I don't know about all these characters. Okay. Um, so uh, the one last thing about Janet Van Dyne because I know Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be playing her in the yes, which movie. obviously tells us that okay, now we know that at least in some way she's going to have aged. Yes. Um, but she was actually one of the leaders of the Avengers for uh multiple times i don't think just once i think she she led the avengers a couple of times yes that is correct so she started out as kind of this really flighty you know obviously written by a man female character uh but once she started coming into her own she served as the chairperson of the avengers for some time um she was i mean i don't know that any of this is really going to factor in during the the civil war in the comic books when you were either on pro or anti-superheroes registering with the government. She was actually pro-registration and hosted a TV show called America's Newest Superhero. Um, and then she she ends up dying in the comic books during the secret invasion thing. And then it gets retconned to say that she wasn't actually killed. She was really just sent into the microverse. Hint, hint, wink, wink. I wonder where they got that idea. Um, <laughs> And uh, so actually there's two wasps, I believe, right now in the comic books because she is still the wasp. The cool thing I would say from my knowledge about her in the, the comics is being a costume designer. I think she helped update several heroes costumes, but more importantly, her costume always changed like the artist yeah. could do whatever they wanted with her costume. And I don't I don't think we're going to really see that because if she's been trapped this whole time which I guess we'll find out whether or not that's true. I have a feeling maybe it's not um, that, you know, she's obviously not in there making new costumes for herself in the quantum realm. So I think we're going to get a big departure, especially with the existence of, of hope because, right. but it might be kind of cool to see in like different phases coming up. If, you know, you have a new, a new character come in and she provides the costume. I can see them kind of just doing a little cameo that way. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly better. Right now, they just have Tony Stark makes everybody's costumes. 
It's just right, sort of, right. he just does it because he knows fashion as well, I guess. <laughs> He's got people who, who do the design. That's the, the, that's the aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. So, so Janet Van Dyne as, as the wasp in the comic book, she also gets the pim particles, which allows her to shrink, but she is implanted with bioengineered um, wings. What do I have? I thought I had something here on here where I put it in like big, like quotation marks. Oh, maybe I have it under the my Hank Pym section because a lot of the Hank Pym's. Oh, biochemistry I have in quotes is what they used. So Janet actually gets wings implanted in her so that when she shrinks, they grow and she's able to have wings. And then uh, her stinger blasts are compressed air originally in the comic books. Obviously, I don't think that's the case in the movie. It seems like they're some sort of repulsor technology, maybe. I don't know, because I can't tell. Yeah. Because she shoots people and they go flying, but that, you know, it's hard to tell what type of blast those are, if those are meant to be concussive or what. But they're like, oh, she has blasters. So I, it's certainly, I don't think it's going to be compressed air. No. That's a very, that's a very <laughs> Stanley type of thing, I think. Yes. Um, and then the last, the last like hero that we have is, is it, um, it's Goliath. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot here. Well, first, um, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll bring us back around. I have all sorts of other stuff that I think is really interesting. Um, random bits like Scott Lang having dated Jessica Jones in the comics. Um, no. Until she finds out, spoilers for the comic books, uh, she finds out that uh, Jessica Jones is pregnant with Luke Cage's kid, uh, at which point he, he splits. Um, all right, so... Goliath, a.k.a. Black Goliath. So there's been several people in the comic books that have been known as Goliath. The first was uh, Hank Pym, a.k.a. Giant Man, who calls himself Goliath at one point. Then we have Clint Barton. Hawkeye was actually Goliath for a while. Yes. There's yes. another character named Eric Jostin who became Atlas, who is a member of the, the first Thunderbolts team. And then I believe the character that we're going to run into is going to be William Foster or Bill Foster. There was another Goliath after this, which was Bill's nephew, Tom. But because we're dealing with the whole retired superhero thing, uh, I think it's going to be Bill. And um, mm -hmm. you had mentioned that there was a Goliath that was killed. It is this character. So I suppose if they're going to be true to the comics, maybe he'll die. But I really doubt it's going to be in the same way. So, uh, yeah, no. So here is your condensed history for Bill Foster. Uh, he premiered in Avengers number 32 in 1966 as himself, and then he was Black Goliath in Power Man, uh, April of 1975. And then in 1979, he was Giant Man. Then 2006, he was Goliath again. And then he died in Civil War number four in October of 2006. So he had uh, went as Giant Man and Goliath and originally Black Goliath because it was Power Man. And if you were an African-American superhero, you'd best have the word black in your name. Otherwise, people won't know. <laughs> uh, so here's here's his history. Uh, Bill Foster was born in the Watts neighborhood of L.A. So at the time, at least I can't speak because I don't live in L.A., but at the time considered the ghetto of, of Los Angeles. Um, yes. And he managed to leave and he went to the California Institute of Technology, got a Ph.D. in biochemistry, married his college sweetheart. Are you ready for this? Claire Temple. Oh, yes. For of Luke Cage and the Netflix Marvel Universe, they were married in college, but ended up getting divorced. Don't expect to see anything about that, though. I know that's that's a. That's a nice nugget of, of trivia right there. Yes. That's cool. I imagine that popped up in, in the Power Man comics, because at the time, Power Man was dating Claire Temple um, mm -hmm. at the time in in, uh, in uh, the Luke Cage comic books. So uh, he kind of goes around, works for different people. He works for Tony Stark at first, and then he's hired to be Hank Pym's lab assistant. And there was this whole storyline where Hank Pym learned how to grow. Um, and originally, he could only grow to like 12 feet high. And the taller he would get if he managed to grow after that, he actually became weaker because it was so much strain to move his body. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he was stuck at 10 feet tall. He wasn't able to shrink back down. And Foster is the one that helped him get there. Uh, after that, he moves to Los Angeles. He runs an R&D department for Tony Stark. But he had memorized the pin particle formula 
So he decides to try and recreate it for himself and get rid of some of the harmful side effects of growing. He figured out how to do it. And so he decided to use his newfound powers to go back and win back Claire Temple from Power Man. He decides to work on the side because being a scientist running R&D for Tony Stark somehow doesn't pay enough. He works a second job uh, as Black Goliath in a in a circus sideshow. And he tries to fight Luke Cage for Claire Temple until they learn that the circus he is working for is the circus of crime. Joe, what is the circus of crime? Do you remember this? Oh, my God. I, I do very roughly. It's like I think the ringmaster has a hat that memorizes mesmerizes people. Yes. And um, there's just all sorts of weird, crazy sideshow people that have powers. And it's where we got Hawkeye. Oh, that's right. Hawkeye was trained by the swordsmen who were both, I believe, at one point or another, members of the Circus of Crime. Again, don't expect this to show up in the movie. <laughs> but once I really doubt they're going to do that. Uh, once they realize it's the circus of crime, then of course they join forces and, and stop the circus. Um, Bill Foster later goes on to join project Pegasus, which is this other sort of side. Think of it. It's kind of like the star labs in a way of the Marvel mm-hmm. universe. Uh, that's when he decides to become giant man. Later on, he works for the centers for disease control. He doesn't, he kind of just kind of pops up like he did his first sort of thing. And then he shows up as a reserve Avenger or when they need him, he's not a big superheroic guy, which is interesting. I feel like that's for a lot of Ant-Man type characters. And I don't know if it's just because they don't want them around in the comics. So they write them off as becoming supporting characters. Um, But he just kind of pops up from time to time when he's needed. And then he returns during the Civil War. He joins Captain America's anti-registration side. He's part of the Secret Avengers. And then he gets killed by Ragnarok, which is a Thor robot clone thing. Um, And his nephew Thomas ends up taking over as Goliath, but is kind of a villain. So I don't know that we're... I mean, we know that Ghost is going to be our villain here, so or appears to be from the trailers. So I I don't think Thomas is going to be involved at all. I don't know what role Bill Foster is going to play in the movie. That's the big question mark. Like they say he's there, like meet the original giant man type of thing. I think maybe it's going to be there more as a nod to the fact that there was a character called black Goliath or Goliath or an African-American giant man. I want to say I read somewhere that he's going to be like he was a rival to Hank Pym. And so like maybe uh, Hank Pym goes and and gets his help for something, but he had, they they had kind of been like competitive rivals and friends. I could see and, that. I could uh, see like they worked yeah, I together. Think that's the direction they're gonna go. Yeah, I I like the idea that they're sort of expanding this, um, like backstory, the sort of world. You know, it's it's weird because mm-hmm. it's it feels like retcons where they're like, oh, and by the way, in the '60s there were also superheroes. Like that bugged right, the right, heck right. out of me on Smallville. Did you ever watch Smallville <laughs> where they're like, oh, by the way, the Justice Society of America existed and costume heroes ran around the earth. You just don't know about it. And they're like, come on. Like, you can't tell the yeah. story of like the first superhero and no other superheroes exist. And then slowly they're like, oh, by the way, here's Huntress. Oh, by the way, here's Green Arrow. Oh, by the way, here's these other superheroes. And it, yeah, I don't think I lasted that long in Smallville. <laughs> I think I, I, when they started, I, I don't think I was there for any of the introductions of the um, additional characters. It always just felt weird and forced. So I'm hoping they do a better job of it because I think the idea is they're not Shield, right? Because Shield right. wanted the tech, but Hank Pym did his own work for what, the CIA. Is that right? Am I remembering Maybe. that correct? Sounds uh, it it tracks. Okay, <laughs> I'd buy it. <laughs> so I think the idea would be somehow, even though he refused to let anybody else use his tech, maybe they're going to tell us that Bill Foster figured it out for himself, or maybe he was a lab assistant to Hank Pym and figured it out himself and became a superhero mm-hmm. for a while. I'm I'm I, I'm excited to see what they do with him. I just don't think it's really going to have anything to do with the comics, and I certainly don't expect a Thor robot to show up and kill him at the end of the movie. No, I think that would probably be very uh, that that's a good prediction that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that um, who's the actor who plays him in the movie? Lawrence Fishburne. 
Okay, I thought so. I heard Lawrence Fishburne actually approached Marvel and said, I want to be in something. Give me a part. Nice. Um, so so uh, he was very excited. He, I guess he was in one of the DC films. Yes, he's Perry he's White. Him... Yes, So, but he always considers himself more of a Marvel guy, so he wanted to do a Marvel movie. That's fine. So... Yeah. I.e., I would love to insert myself in, in, you know, a cinematic universe that's making lots of money and moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. What else? What else do you need to know here? I got I have uh, what brief info we have on the Hope Hicks analog in in the comics, as well as some very brief info on who our, our villain is. But again, this is all. Yeah, well, well, we hit both of those real quick. OK. So uh, let me scroll down here. Um, yeah, and, and then I have a whole paragraph on Eric O'Grady because I would love it if he shows up. He's an awful, awful, now, Eric? awful. Eric O'Grady was the there was an Ant-Man series um, around. So the character showed up in 2006, died in 2012. There was a series called The Irredeemable Ant-Man which is the story okay. of Eric O'Grady. He's a low-level S.H.I.E.L.D. agent uh, who is on a helicarrier, and they're guarding uh, Pym's lab, him and his buddy. His buddy decides to put on the suit and disappears. O'Grady thinks he's gone, so he hits on his buddy's girlfriend um, until the helicarrier is attacked. His buddy dies. O'Grady steals the suit, and then he goes on to become like the worst person ever. He knocks up his buddy's girlfriend, then ditches her when he finds out she's pregnant. He stalks and peeps on women. He um, uh, dates another woman, learns she has a son, and so he dumps her as soon as he finds out that she's got a kid. Uh, he, he sounds just like a terrible character. <laughs> Is this Eric O'Grady? So there was not exactly a, like, not a villain, but a bad person, if that makes sense. Like there's some things so, where so that could be a um a little Easter egg in there somewhere that we might want to look for. Right. Like I would love to see a shield agent named O'Grady. The idea was that I think um Pym was actually making a new ant suit that was going to be used by uh any one of a number of people that were like training to be the new Ant Man. And this guy mm -hmm. steals it and is just like, I'm gonna be a pervert and a horrible person. And so he has these moments where, like, he kind of helps out when he's forced to, like, he's he's forced to join the initiative, which is um, all the pro registration heroes. That's what they called it when you had to register with the government and get training. Then he's part of the Thunderbolts and the Secret Avengers. Um, but he keeps jumping back between doing awful things and like kind of OK things, but not really to fully redeem himself. And in the end, he dies saving a kid. Um but I don't think anybody liked Eric O'Grady. Like, I think it was too much of this, like, what would a 13-year-old boy do with an Ant-Man costume? He's going to spy on women. Like, he spies on Miss Marvel changing a lot. And they're like, Ugh. why is this in a comic book? Yeah. Well, there's Eric O'Grady. Um, so, uh, Hope. There is no Hope Pym in the Marvel comic book universe. There is a character named Nadia Pym or Nadia Van Dyne. This is a character who is actually the daughter of Hank Pym's first wife. Hank Pym had a previous, I, I did mention it before, but his whole backstory is he actually was married to a woman from Hungary and they travel back there and then his wife is killed. And that's kind of where he starts getting this um, sense of justice. And then there's the first Ant-Man adventure where he accidentally shrinks himself and winds up in an anthill. Um, so we find out that she must have been pregnant or something. And so it's this retcon in order to try and squeeze a version of hope into the comic books. Like she showed up on, okay. on the, the Civil War II free comic book day issue in May of 2016 to give you an idea of how shoehorned in this character is. Uh, so she's the daughter yeah. of Hank Pym's first wife. Um, she her first memory is meeting the Winter Soldier and being taken by the Winter Soldier. And she grew up being trained in the Red Room, which is the same organization that trained uh, the Black Widow. But because she was an expert in science and they realized she was the daughter of Hank Pym, they pushed her to do science instead of assassiny stuff. And she eventually manages to get her hands on a black market Pym particle and escapes. 
goes to meet her father, uh, but he's already gone. I think it was when he had merged with Ultron and left for space or whatever. Uh, so she uses bits of his old costumes and old wasp costumes and makes herself the new wasp. And now I believe, I think she still has her own series right now. I think the current wasp series features this Nadia Van Dyne version of the character. Um, I'm assuming she takes on the name Van Dyne after meeting Janet Van Dyne. I know they met and they get along. Um, and then Nadia joined the Avengers and then has helped the champions from time to time as well. That's kind of all I have on her. So it's basically the, okay. if you want a younger version of the Wasp run, having her own stories that exists, don't expect it to quite match up with the comics, but they did create a, hey, it's the daughter of Hank Pym and she's the Wasp. Yeah, because most of the time, because I was trying to think, I, I felt like there was a a Wasp analog in one of the either um, future... Um, avengers like avengers 2099 or something like that you are um, yes you were talking about a next which was the mc2 yes. comic book i i am a fan of this book i have every issue of this comic and uh it is a character known as boy now i have to think off the top of my head i believe it's stinger yeah and i think there was a time when was it the wasp or maybe it was nadia actually um called herself Stinger for a short period of time. Well, when I looked up Stinger, it came up as uh, Cassie Lang because yes. she's, I think, in in current continuity, she's... An, uh, oh, maybe that's what it was. She's running around doing stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, and normally, normally Cassie Lang, uh, this is Scott Lang's daughter, uh, was a hero known as Stature, and then she was killed in a battle with Doctor Doom, but was later brought back to life. She was a member of the yes. Young Avengers. Yeah, so Stinger in um, A Next is is Cassie Lang. That is correct. Yes, but no, I like that book. I could I could talk about the yeah. I didn't get into all of the MC two stuff, but for whatever reason, I I hooked onto A Next. Um, but that's yeah, correct. No, I enjoyed that one. Yeah. So so that's her in the comics. So it's there if people want to read it, but it's not. It's yeah. It's it's not the same as the movie. The movie is clearly doing its own thing, and that's going to apply to Ghost as well. And I'm just going to I'm just going to keep rolling here. Um, so it. Ghost is actually a character that first appeared in an issue of Iron Man, Iron Man 219 back in 1987. In the comic books, Ghost is a male character, also known as Phantasm, John Morley, or some people just call him Casper. And this is an inventor and an Iron Man villain, not as far as I can tell, has nothing to do with Ant-Man. Um, so they just decided this would make a good ant-man villain because again ant-man if if it's anything like the others ant-man is iron man light like the first movie very much felt that way uh so this is a character who has the ability to turn invisible and intangible in the comic books um ghost was an inventor for a company and they were it was called ghost tech was the name of the company where they made computer chips and by making the computer chips intangible they were able to process a ton of info they were prone to overheating. So I don't know if it's kind of like their version of unstable molecules, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. the excuse of how the Fantastic Four's costumes work with their powers. Um, but it's the idea of somehow by making computer chips intangible, they work better. Uh, he So this inventor is brilliant. He's making the company a ton of money. He's sort of their golden child. And so the execs get him basically whatever he wants. You know, he can get sports tickets. They basically hire him a girlfriend as a co-worker, though he doesn't know this. Um, and uh, once the project is complete and they have the technology from him, they fire him. He finds out uh, eventually that the woman he thought was his girlfriend was basically a call girl hired by the company who is killed because she threatens to expose the truth that she was being paid to sleep with the inventor guy. So the inventor guy decides he hates tech corporations. He hates big companies. He thinks corporations are evil. He becomes a freelance uh, corporate sabotage agent, and uh, he builds himself a suit that is incorporated with these computer chips, so it makes him invisible and intangible. He goes around doing things, fights Iron Man, 
Uh, eventually, he becomes a member of the Thunderbolts under Norman Osborn, and then he's also a member of the team when Luke Cage is in charge of it. That's pretty much all we got for Ghost. Like, there's not... He's still around, I believe, in the comic books. And I think I read somewhere that they they decided that they were going to make um, him a woman because they didn't feel like gender played a huge role in who the character is at this point in continuity. Right. It, it, and so it would be a more interesting way of doing things. Yes. And I, I agree. I think that's utterly fine. Yeah. Uh, it feels like they're going to play it very much like the Riddler in Batman Forever. Where it's like, you're brilliant and you make great things for this company. We're going to fire you now. I'm going to get revenge. Like, it's kind of a classic villain story. Um, That would be my guess. Or we're going to find out, you know, kind of like in a Tony Stark way, because again, Iron Man light, is it's going to be, this is actually stolen PIM technology. You know, I kind of hope not. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Ghost, instead of working for a company called Ghost Tech... This was somebody that previously worked for PIM Industries. I don't remember what the name of the PIM company is in the in the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if it was that because Marvel comic book movies in general have a huge problem with letting a villain be unrelated. And I get it for yeah. story purposes, but not everybody has to be your secret brother or long lost whatever. Like, you don't have to have history with a villain for it to still be an interesting story. You could not know who they are ahead of time, and they can still have enough interesting purpose. Right. You know, it's like they're like, oh, Dr. Doom was with the Fantastic Four and he got his powers. No, stop it. Just knock it off, (laughs) you know? I would agree. I would definitely agree. And one thing I'm really excited about in this movie is that it doesn't look like the bad guy has the same powers as the good guy correct which i get tired of the sameness of that yes so hopefully hopefully that'll be i suppose that's the the other thing so what are you what are you hoping to get out of this i get to ask you questions now that i'm done <laughs> um, that's that's good enough that's good enough with all my random facts i have so much more but we don't need to to deal with them um what are you, you hoping to see in this movie or where do you think the story is going to go i think why I'm, um, i like i like the original Ant-Man movie, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I love um, the Scott Lang character in the movies. I think he he just made me happy during Civil War. Like, just I just thought it was a great character. So, um, so I'm just enjoy. I just want to enjoy the character. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I feel like it has a little bit of that buddy cop movie feel to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm hoping that we get some clues as to what's going to happen in Avengers four, because there's a lot of theories that these next two movies, um, because they are kind of prequels to um, infinity war are going to kind of give us clues as to how Avengers four is going to shake out. So with that, I'm going to ask you what I consider a Ray level question, because I love the questions that he asked when you guys are talking, does the fact that the thing you're looking forward to most have okay i have to that doesn't make sense good grammar i write for a living i promise i do if the thing you're excited (laughs) for most is to see how it affects the rest of the marvel cinematic universe how what nuggets you're going to get from this film for the rest of the movies does that mean you're not actually that excited to see this movie you just want more clues Uh, for the rest of the cinematic universe doesn't that mean this movie itself isn't that exciting no, um, because like I said, I really love the character. So I think first and foremost, I just want to see the antics of of Ant-Man. Like I just find I find the character very lightning. Like he, he kind of makes just the levity that um, that Paul Rudd brings to the the role just makes me happy. So. I'm just I'm just looking forward to kind of the the verbal repartee back and forth between him and the wasp. Um, I'm interested to see the whole Janet Van Dyne thing um, because I mean she's one of my favorite characters in the um, in the com- comic books. I think I I find myself very drawn to um, the strong women Avengers. I think that is very they're when they're done right they're very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I think everybody knows I'm a huge Monica Rambeau fan, and I actually went and just got a, a 
year membership to to Marvel Unlimited. And the first thing I did is like, I'm going to go back and read the origin story of of um, the Monaco Rambo Captain Marvel. Um, so I kind of had the same kind of feeling about Janet Van Dyne. I, I like that she, you know, started out kind of in the same vein as Invisible Girl, where she's kind of the secretary of the team and gets kidnapped all the time. But then, you know, in the right hands, she was made very powerful and interesting and and went through all these struggles. I think um, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, has a lot of the same kind of stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this movie because I think it's going to be um, a lot of new stuff that we're not expecting. But I also, coming off of Infinity War, I want the little pieces of that puzzle because I think part of our our geekiness kind of compels us to to fan theory mm-hmm. and i having more material to fan theory with is also very exciting sure and it's you are right i mean ant-man and the wasp i mean if you're talking the avengers they were founding members of the avengers the wasp mm-hmm. is the one who named them the avengers like it's and then, and and Ant Man's the one who the first Ant Man, you know, Hank Pym, is the one who actually created Ultron. Like they've been stripped of so much in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and relegated to these side characters, when in fact they were integral to the creation and existence of the team in the comic books. It's uh, they kind of, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, because it almost frees them to let the the folks in charge, Kevin Feige and the folks at the Marvel Cinematic Universe do whatever they want with the characters now. Yeah. But I don't know that you're going to see the Wasp as leading the Avengers anytime soon. No, but I I think, I think getting, I mean, there's always something about the characters that's different in the Marvel Universe and that's fine. I think it's, I think it's kind of seeing what they do with the character. I think I'll be most disappointed if, um, if they bring, you know, the original Wasp in and she just really plays no role, like she's just rescued and that's it. Um, I'm not saying she has to go and don the costume. I'm not saying that she has to do all these these crazy things, but I do want to see her kind of play a part moving forward. Not at all expecting that she's going to lead the Avengers or become an actual member of the team. But, you know, I do hope there's an Ant-Man 3 or an Ant-Man and Wasp 2 or however they want to number it. And uh, and that she'll play a part in it because it's a cool character. And it's a, a character that, yeah, is going to be very different from from the comic books, but is also going to be um, – I, th- I think there I, – I think I feel the lack of that character in the universe as a negative. And so the fact that she's coming in in some way or another is a very positive thing. I think you're going to be disappointed in what they do with Janet Van Dyne, no matter what. I think either we're going to find out she's been back for a while and went crazy, and she's actually the the secret villain behind Ghost. I think they're going to drop oh. that sort of reveal. You know what I mean? Or if they do bring mm-hmm. her back, because otherwise if they bring her back, it would only be at the end of the movie as, oh, and by the way, we finally solved this puzzle. Let's move forward. I don't, because nah, it's, uh, I just don't see it. You know, I'm worried that we're going to lose Hank Pym in this movie because I would love more Hank Pym in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think he works best as a broken old man, as a jaded, yes, I, I don't want him happy. And I know that sounds mean. As a character, <laughs> I think he's better off in that anti-Stark role as he's the basement inventor guy. And uh, you give him what he wants and you ruin his agency. He doesn't have a reason to do anything anymore. I'm worried that he'll probably end up dying. Like, I could absolutely see this movie turning into Janet Van Dyne either comes back or is back. We find out um, she's the bad guy. She ends up killing Hank Pym, but they die together and realize it at the last minute who each other is or something. So they get a little romantic ending, and then we move forward with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I think that would be too bad. I would love to see something turn into Avengers Academy, but I think your Wasp is going to be Hope him oh you're yeah. not gonna get anything that you want out of janet van dyne as janet van dyne i just don't now i could be wrong and it's if i'm wrong that's awesome like i love being surprised i just i think she's there because she's part of the overall story 
I think they're going to have to weave her some way into the whole ghost story and the main bad guy they're fighting. Otherwise, it's too much of an aside. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that makes sense then. Like, if this was a TV show and that's the search for Mulder's younger sister that takes place over the course of the whole series while you fight Ghost and all these other characters, that would make sense. But it's not. It's a movie. And so right. in two hours or so, you got to fit all of that in there. So that means she's going to have to be integral, I think, in some way to the other story. And then I feel like that's that might be the last we see her. It might be a one and done for the original Wasp. Well, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I, I I have faith because Marvel has yet to to let us down. I mean, like some people are disappointed with things here and there, but I feel like they've been pretty good about whatever decision they make. It it does move the story forward. So I'm just hoping that 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 continues with this movie. Yeah, I mean, one way or the other, I I look forward to seeing it because with Ant Man and the Wasp, I have zero expectations. I'm gonna go in expecting a movie that's okay but not great. I'm hoping it makes me laugh at least once. And I hope there's at least one interesting idea plugged in, but I wasn't a huge fan of the first Ant-Man. I think Paul Rudd does fine. I think the pieces were there for an interesting movie. And then I think they got pulled out of Edgar Wright's hands and it got turned into, you know, Iron Man Jr. And it Mm -hmm. was a perfectly adequate superhero movie, but you can't have an adequate superhero movie anymore because no matter what, it's going to be held up to the others. And when you have 15 yeah. MCU films, Ant-Man ends up sitting at the bottom with, like, Iron Man 3. Well, I'm hoping that now that they've got exposition out of the way, that leaves room for this to be its own thing. I certainly hope so. Se- I certainly hope so. Sequels don't seem to really work the same way for Marvel films because they're all kind of in some way or another a sequel of each other. Right. And they build upon the... No, they've done a great job. You know, I mean, you take... The best example, obviously, is the second Captain America movie, um, because it goes leaps and bounds past the first film of we've introduced the character. You understand who he is. Wasn't until that movie that most people even liked Captain America, thought he was cool. You know, he was just the the first Captain America seemed like an okay movie. It was fine, you know, and then the Avengers Captain America was there and that's kind of neat. But he was very much the big blue Boy Scout of the Avengers team. And then you got. Civil War and you he got depth and more character. So I, I, I agree. Like sometimes you just need to give them time. And Marvel has certainly earned that. I just I'm still I'm not I'm hoping to be happily surprised, but I'm not going to go on with any type of expectations because I feel like no matter what, I'll probably be let down. But we will have to see. Yeah, well, and that's that's just that's my that's my mo for for going into movies anyway. Yeah. Because I don't I don't want to be disappointed, and I find the lower expectations I have, the uh, the less uh, chance of that happening is. So. I'm just waiting for 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 New Mutants. I'm real. Oh, I am so waiting to hear what you think <laughs> about that movie. I, I really do think I need to schedule a time to go and watch it physically with Ray so I have somebody there who understands what I'm going through and can console me yeah. <laughs> if it's not what it needs to be. Yeah. Well, it can't be. It can't be because it's a thing you love. No. Like my yeah. favorite character growing up was probably Green Lantern. And uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. So that was a blow. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But take the animated, think... but the animated film First Flight is great. And the cartoon actually really surprised me. I expected that to be terrible. And uh, but once it got into like the second season, the the and it was CG and I hate CG cartoons, but uh, mm-hmm. it actually uh, slowly won me over. So there's there doesn't mean there's not going to be something good out of a new because if you get a new mutants movie, you know, they're going to have to start a new mutants comic book with those similar characters, even though they're all far older and have been members of other teams and stuff. They're going to have to figure out a way to bring that back because that's how comics work now. Comics follow the movies, which used to follow the comics. And that's one of the things I'm loving about reading Avengers World is I love Sunspot and Cannonball as an Avengers. Like that just that just lives in my happy place. And I love how they're written because they're kind of written as kind of bros, which which really works for the characters. Mm-hmm. So um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I will I will deal with New Mutants when it comes out and then I will go back to my comic books and say, no, this is my happy place. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> how we do it? How well, short? You so now, answer me this. How short was this segment supposed to be, Joe? Well, this segment, I think, is going to become a preview episode that gets launched on Friday. <laughs> How, uh, because what was it going to be? Is, was it going to be 20 minutes? Was it just going to be a It was qu- probably going to be 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, a quick I figured, chat? I even said, 
I said to Ray, it's probably going to be a longer episode this week because we'll put in the preview. But no, I think this is work. This is this is great. And the only thing that was missing is I have to be better about planning it so that next time we can have Ray because I think he'll come up with all sorts of questions too. Yeah. Well, so much of that is on me. I have the con this whole weekend, so I'm I'm book solid like this entire week. Today just worked out because I'm working from home today. Yeah. But yes, yeah. no, I I am I am dying to be on a podcast where where Ray and I can. Um, get down and talk comics. I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, sir, in case people have forgotten or this is their first exposure to you because they don't cross uh, pollinate our, our podcasts, um, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at Noby. That is K-N-O-W-B-Y. And you can always find me on the geek to geek Slack channel. And uh, I lurk the Facebook and Reddit from time to time. But I feel like most of our conversations these days are are on Slack. So, Ask and I am yeah. I am there. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing this, sir. You were welcome. I'm very excited, and I feel prepared to go into this movie on Friday. Yes, I know. I, I really I don't even know if I'm going to get to it with the con, but yes. Oh, that's right. I know. I know. I'm going to have to hold off listening to to the review episode, but no. I uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And thank you, thank you, and to everybody else. Thanks, everybody. Absolutely. We miss you. So we're glad we're glad you're at least back in, in this capacity. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could tell I was a little excited to to come and record again. Yes. Over prepare. Always over prepare. All right. Well, and, and until next time, guys, remember this week, keep a geek. So that was my little episode previewing Ant-Man and Wasp with Rob. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, next time we have a movie coming up, we're going to try and do an actual full episode with um, all the the normal formatting and Ray will hopefully join us and it will be wonderful, but I, I didn't want to miss out on this opportunity, so we're just slipping in an ep- extra episode in there, um, and I'm, I figured you guys wouldn't mind. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, early in the next week with our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, all the music in this episode is by Ben Sound. It's being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geek2Toot is a proud member of the Geek2Geek Network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows such as the Geek2Geek Podcast, RunningShoes.tv, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgrays. Again, we will be back next week, early in the week, with our review episode of Ant-Man and the Wasp. But until then, please remember to keep it geek. This is Frazzly with Frazzlecast. Do you want to talk about World of Warcraft every week with different people and a little bit of geeky stuff? Check out Frazzlecast.com and on all of your favorite podcast players. And remember, keep it geek. theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly. And I'm your Mama Wolf, Stacia Kelly. And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci-fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. Spoilers. <laughs> so join us here at the Geek Wolfpack Podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out.